for those of you who don't know, I use this app called Sermonary, and um, they decided to up make an update with their software, which uh, meant it's not going to work perfectly the next day. So please bear with our slides today, tonight. Um, but let me read this, this verse here. Please turn your Bibles over to John chapter 11. Um, this is the death of Lazarus. So I'm going to start I'm going to start with verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, "Lord, the one you love is sick." When he heard this, Jesus said, "This sickness will not end in death." No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jump to verse uh, 25. Uh, actually, go to uh, verse 23. Jesus said to her, Go, your brother will rise. Martha, actually, go to 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then jump to verse 33. When Jesus saw, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them could not know, could not he, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind, blind man have kept this man from dying? Verse 43, when he, had, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet warped, with, wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening that you've given to us, another evening where we can praise you and worship you. Father, what a privilege it is. Forgive us, Lord, for all the times that we have taken you for granted and taking worshiping you for granted. Father, we ask now, Lord, for your protection and guidance as we learn about you, about your will for us. And Father, I pray for blessings for your people. Thank you for the testimony, the special number, the songs, and the people that are here to learn about you and to do the work of prayer. May your blessings be upon them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so we just read the, I think everybody's familiar with that, every, every uh, prayer warriors, because I love to use this when it comes to uh, just asking God for um, believing in him, right? 
So we're still in our series, Falling Faith. This is where we're going to close it tonight, uh, Failing Faith. Um, week four is about during difficulties, which is the hardest one, a death of a loved one. Um, and it's sure not easy, especially look at Jesus. Jesus wept. This is, that's the shortest verse for, in the Bible. So if you wanted to memorize a verse, you could go John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Okay, so you can add that to your John three sixteen and your Ephesians two eight nine. So you have three. But you know, for Jesus, he loved him dearly, and he broke his heart, and he knows it, right? So he knows how hurt hurtful it is for us when we lose a loved one. So let's try to unpack it. Um, the first point. Okay, can you turn it? I think it's. Um, sometimes we don't know what we don't know God's plan. These are from the verses one to twenty-seven, and in verse three again it says, "So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick." And in verse four reads, "When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death.' But then after that, he decided to stay. Right? He stayed there two more days." And then go to verse 14 for me, please. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And in verse 21, when Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Because a lot of times in our lives, just like you know, here, despite Mary and Martha requesting that Jesus come, because them sending the word meant... Come, Lord, Lazarus is dead. We need you to come and heal him. That's what they were trying to say, right? But what did Jesus say? do? Two more days where he was. But then Jesus already told everybody what he was going to do, what, what the purpose of him staying there for two more days, right? So that Lazarus' death will result to God's glory. Now, I don't think we have seen, for at least for me in my seven years of serving the Lord as his pastor in this church, I haven't done that. I haven't seen anybody rising from the dead, you know. As much as, as sincere as we're praying for our brothers and sisters, it's just not the physical body is just not going to live after they die. And it is as much as true before as it is today that anybody who dies cannot rise from the dead. So it was too late, it seemed like. If you, if, if you again look at the reaction in the statement of Martha, if you had been here, essentially saying, Lord, you're too late, right? Isn't that the same thing when we are praying to God about something very crucial, very crucial, right? We lift it up to him. And then the delay, there's a delay. It seems like God's not answering or God stayed there for two more days. And then when he's finally talking to us, and then we say, well, Lord, I don't know. You're too late. It's done. They repossessed my car. They took my house. I got fired because you didn't fire my supervisor. It was unreasonable. My child has been taken. My mom has been taken. You know, it's, we don't know. And, it, 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 and we can understand the frustration of Martha, right? More ways, in more ways than one sometimes. 
Because we just can't see the end. All of us human beings, we our, our vision and our, our, our vision, our sight is limited. Our knowledge is limited. But God can see the bigger picture, correct? Now, we, we look at things from the perspective of time, and God is looking at things from the perspective of eternity, which is etern- entirely out of time. Eternity is out of time. There's no limit there. We look at the, pass, the passing of days and years like we watch railroad cars at a crossing. It's one, one after another, right? When you get stuck on those things. But God sees all of time as a person who would see the entire train from an airplane overhead, from the engine to the caboose. That's how God sees it. It's different from his where he is. When you go to a, a, a high-rise condo here, same street that you're always driving on, let's say 5th Street, where Chris, Chris Lee lives over there where the condo is there by 5th Street. And I've driven and walked 5th Street so many times, back and forth, Arlington 5th and 2nd and 3rd. But when I was at his condo, because it's all the way up there, the street down there looked different. The city of Reno, that, those typical street not-so-nice street, it looked kind of industrial and interesting. And it doesn't seem so big from up there. It seems so small. And don't, we have to realize that it's the same with God. It's the same with our lives here. With us, it seems impossible, like, like Loretta's testimony. Right? We, we, we were talking. <laughs> this is why men's breakfast, after we eat breakfast, after this this Saturday, Petito Orly, we just disperse because we end up, we might end up talking about another project. No, but anything away from God's vision seems impossible. With man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen? But, you know, when we're suffering, when we're suffering, when we're hurting, that's easier said than done, right? When we're going through divorce, when we're going through heartaches, when we're going through breakups, when we're going through disappointments, all that, all things are possible for God. It's quite hard. It's quite difficult. Do you serve God whether you feel like it or not? I'll tell you, no, not all the time. Only a few of us, right? Only a few times, I should say. Because we would rather serve God when we're feeling good, when we're high. You know, it's, it's, it's a good time. Everything's good. We love it. we like, oh, yeah, I'm high with excitement and happiness. I want to serve God. And I want to shout from the top of the, the tower, I love Jesus. Because everything's going right and well. But when things are not good... It's so hard to even kneel down, although that's the right place to do. That's the right thing to do. Go down on our knees and say, Lord, help me. Help me. I can't do this. Sometimes when we suffer, even though God could immediately fix a situation because it's for God's glory, we don't like it and we don't believe it. Um, can you go, yeah, here's verse 22. 
But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. See, Martha, even in her heartache, even in her pain, she kept a little bit of window there for hope. Right? And then Jesus is so kind to her. When Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Imagine, your brother will rise again. But then Martha could not understand it because her response in verse 24, she goes, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But then Jesus reminded her, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, like Martha, in the midst of trials and difficulties, it will be really hard for us to understand the will of God. It is, if we're all going to be honest. Even if we know Him, even if we know the doctrines, the promises that's written down in the Bible, because we're emotional beings, it's hard to fight what's in our minds. Or it's hard... It's hard to find what's in our hearts with our minds, right? It's just like when you're in love, right? And then that person breaks your heart, right? All right, right? There's a lot of movies and shows and books that's been written down about this, right? And then the, the apathetic friend, best friend will say, that's why your heart is above your heart, dummy. But that's just easier said than done because when it's their heartache, they're struggling, they're struggling. Now, it's the same with this. Any difficulty in trials, despite the fact that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Our heart is heavy. Our spirit is low. It's hurting. Why am I saying this? Because it's okay. God didn't rebuke Martha nor Mary. Jesus cried. Jesus wept. Jesus felt for them. Jesus was compassionate with them. Jesus was empathizing with them. So my advice for those of us who are quick to say, you should be okay because you're a Christian. You're, where's your faith? Huh? Where's your faith? Akala ko Christian ka. I thought you were Christian. No. You know, get off your high horse and start thinking about the times when it was you who was struggling to get back on your feet when th things were being hard, were hard on you, right? Now, it's okay to send verses. It's good because there's power in the verse. There's power in the word. It's okay. But don't be quick to try to solve them and tell them you should be okay now. No, sympathize with them, right? Look, you know, I'm, I'm sorry you're going through that. I could never understand because I've never lost a loved one just yet. Well, I'm here praying with you. And I, I, all I know, just like what Jesus said, I am the resurrection. That we can say, all I know is God loves you. Despite the heartache that you're going through, God still loves you. God is gracious. And look at Psalm, uh, let's go to Psalm, sorry. Psalm 26.1. Vindicate me, Lord. Because I have lived with integrity and have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Fearfully and Wonderfully Made is the title of the book in which the prominent surgeon Dr. Paul Brand explores the complex creation called the human body. In a chapter on growth, Dr. Brand recalls an incident that took place during a visit he had in South Africa. 
A certain bridge in South America, actually South America, a certain bridge in South America consists of interlocking vines supporting a precariously swinging platform hundreds of feet above a river, a, a hanging bridge. He, re, he says here, I knew the bridge supported hundreds of people over many years, and as I stood on the edge of the chasm, I could see people confidently crossing the bridge. The engineer in me wanted to weigh all the factors, measure the stress tolerance of the vines, test the wood for termites, survey all the bridges in the area for one that might be stronger. I could have spent a lifetime determining whether the bridge was fully trustworthy, but I knew that if I really wanted to cross, I had to take a step. And when I put my weight on that bridge and walked across, even though my heart was pounding and my knees were shaking, I was declaring my position. The good doctor then goes to say that his Christian faith is like that. If I wait for everything to be settled, I'll never move. Often I have had to act on the basis of the bones of the Christian faith before those bones were fully formed in me and before I understood the reason for their existence. Bone is hard, but it is alive. If the bones of faith do not continue to grow, they will soon become dead skeletons. Challenges, difficulties, and trials present challenges in our faith. It challenges our faith. It challenges our faith when we say, Lord, are you real? If you are real, you, you should have, you could have, you must have, right? But then he didn't. And then we wonder, why? I did everything for you. All my life I've been following you. Why now? Why this? But we have to trust. Our faith continues to grow. Now, even if we're not spiritually mature yet, our faith, to whom our faith relies on, is consistent and is faithful. Jesus will never change. Jesus never changes whether we believe it or not. Jesus is powerful whether we believe it or not. Whether our prayer wasn't answered or not, Jesus remains to be powerful. God remains true whether we like it or not. Even if how we pictured it, how we asked it did not play out, God is still real. Amen? Now again, second point, God sees the bigger picture. 2 Peter 3.8, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Just as we see in Jesus' response to Mary and Martha's grief, as bad as our suffering is to be, it, it could be an unpaid mortgage, a breakup, a miscarriage. You know, for the Christian, it is not random. It is not an accident. God allowed it. Our suffering in some way will bring God glory. Now in the New Testament, the book of Peter, 2 Peter, the author writes at one point that God sees a thousand years as one day. So when we say, Lord, are you coming? I mean, Russia's occupying Ukraine. This is the end of the world. Somebody asked me that. This is, I don't know if you've been having a lot of end-of-the-world conversations. It's a great time to have it. Uh, God has been putting me on in the ringer uh, two days in a row. Uh, today, it was a person that asked me, is, is the Lord coming? And this guy's not a Christian, I have to tell you. But anyway, <laughs> a thousand years is one day. 
Meaning to the eternal father, time operates at a different level. God may allow someone we care about to die two or three or, or seven de- decades early. But in the imposing scope of eternity, it's only as if they had been gone for less than an hour. Do we agree? For God, that's true. For us, it's long. But that's not that's only half of 2 Peter 3.8. The first part of the verse actually says that the opposite is also true. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Notice what this means. Even while our suffering is small in comparison to eternity, it's also true that God could the God who could have stopped it but chose not to also lives through the pain. He hurts with us. That's why verse 35 says, Jesus wept. So don't think that God doesn't care in our heartaches. He, he, he does. He's disappointed when we're disappointed. His heart broken when our heart is breaking. When we're crying, he's crying with us. So he's also suffering with us. Do you find that impossible? I find that comforting. Because, you know, Christian life is is a good life. Overall, it's a great life. Because you're going for God's approval, right? But as you're going for God's approval, there's heartaches in the way. But knowing that God loves me and he's, he's... He's getting this, he's with me with my disappointments, he's with me with my heartaches. That just brings so much comfort. It's not a, a guy who's up there like, huh, you need to get to my level. He's not that kind of friend. He's the friend that suffers with us. You know, there um, can you go to John eleven, thirty-eight to forty-four, those verses there? Did you were you able to bring it in in one? Um so this is when this is when um, Jesus resurrected Lazarus. Okay, now there's this Holocaust survivor Ellie Weisel puts it well when he wrote about his slow evaluation of God following the murder of six million innocent individuals. In a prayer to God, he says Auschwitz must and will forever remain a question mark only. It can be conceived neither with God nor without God. At one point, I began wondering whether I was not unfair with you. Talking to God is him talking to God. After all, Auschwitz was not something that came down ready-made from heaven. It was conceived by men, implemented by men, staffed by men. And their aim was to destroy not only us, but you as well. Ought we not to think of your pain too? Watching your children suffer at the hands of your other children, haven't you also suffered? Now for those of us who have children, like more than one children, the heart, it's hard to have a child, period. right? And it's even harder when they're not getting along. It's twice as hard. For me, it's an everyday thing. It just doesn't seem like they're getting along. And it's heartbreaking when it gets really bad. Because you love them both, but yet it seems like 
that they don't love each other. And what really bothers me the most is, I'm thinking, man, if I die today, these guys are not going to take care of each other. You know? So if me, who's far from being holy, can feel that way about my children when they're not getting along, how about God, who loves us so, who's way holier than all of us put together? Don't you think that when Russia took over or, or invaded Ukraine, or trying to, don't you think his heart is breaking there? When we're trying to, when we're fighting each other, getting mad at each other, especially division, Christian churches dividing, his heart is breaking. But we don't think about him that way. You know, because this is the same thing when we treat other people who we, who we think, oh, they're put together. Their life is put together. We, nobody cares about those people. Do you realize that? Nobody will ask. Everybody knows how tired they are, but nobody will ask how tired the other guy is because they think he never gets tired. He's always at church. He's going to be there. Or she's going to be there. Right? After pot bless, right? after pot bless, we already know who's going to clean up. So nobody offers because everybody thinks they're, they're, they're the same people will do it. If that's offensive, I think it is. If that is offensive, how come we do the same thing to God? We're just always there asking things from Him, and God wants us to ask things from Him. But sometimes in our heartaches, we're quick to blame Him. We're quick to just point and blame Him like, You did not care. You did not answer my prayer. You did not respond to me. But little did we forget, and we're forgetting. His, his heart is also breaking because he loves us. Anything that he doesn't give us, it hurts us. Us parents, right, when we don't give something to our children because we know it's not good for them and they cry, especially when they were little, it hurts us too, right? You're like, oh gosh, how I wish you knew why I didn't want to give you this candy at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know? Now, God sees the big picture. We have to understand that when our faith is failing, because our series is failing faith, during difficult times, during trials, we have to understand God and accept. God sees the big picture. He sees that your suffering on earth in comparison to eternity will be, in comparison to that, in it, to eternity, it will be like a grain of sand on a vast beach. We can find hope in the promise of eternity. At the same time, to God, our pain is also His pain. And He feels it even more deeply than we do. Do you believe that? I don't think we've said this enough, or we've forgotten this. When our heart is breaking, God's heart is breaking with us. That's a different way to look at, at God. Because His character is His love, right? So you think a loving God will not care about our heartaches? That's an apathetic God. That's an indifferent God. Remember, the opposite of love is indifferent. So God is involved. So He loves us. He knows our heart is breaking. But He tells us, I am with you. I am with you. I will never leave you. And you know, our heart aches here on earth. We can only truly appreciate. Uh, it. We must go through it uh, with our faith to grow and us to know God. 
We must go through it. You know why? Because once we get to heaven, when there's no more heartaches, no more pain, no more tears, all the more we're going to enjoy that. Amen? Does this happen to you when you're making coffee in the morning? It's too early. And, you know, you need that coffee, but you need your coffee with sweetness or sugar. Because it's too early, you put sugar there, and then you boom, and then you put salt. Did that ever happen to you? Because salt and sugar look the same, right? The only way you can tell the difference is if it's marked properly, and if it's not marked, if it's not marked, through tasting it, right? So the only, this is why we're going through trials here. This is why we're going through heartaches here. So that we will be able to tell the difference when we're finally in heaven and we're going to say, man, God is good. Right? Third point, our, our sorrow is God's sorrow. In John chapter 9, verse 28 to 37 this is when Jesus, let me just read verse 30. The man answered, now this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Nobody has ever heard of the opening of the eyes of a man born blind. Remember when, 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 when Jesus, you know my, verse, my verses are, are all over the place in my notes. <laughs> well, this is when Jesus gave back the sight to a blind man who was born blind. Let me just read my notes. If you look at the original language of John 11.33, you'll find that the phrase deeply move literally means to snort like a horse. That's Jesus. He snorted like a horse. This scene has always been a bit confusing to me. Jesus um, intentionally let Lazarus die. He possessed a plan to help others experience the joy of knowing him by revealing his incredible power. He also knew that Lazarus would be raised back to life after only four days. So why did he cry? Why was he angry? Even further, why did the king of the universe weep like an uncomfortable, uncontrollable animal? This Jesus wept because of the suffering experienced by his friends. See, this is the proof that God's heart breaks when our heart breaks. This Jesus wept because of the sadness he saw around him and how the sadness was an illustration of sadness in general. This Jesus took on the role of a mourner because those whom he loved found their hearts broken. Sure, it was a short amount of time. Sure, it is in the prospect of heaven. Even the most difficult Christian life will one day be but a short, faded memory. But despite all of this, our God above, the one who knows infinitely more than we could ever imagine, weeps for us and with us in our pain. Amen. In Romans 8.18 it reads, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You know that movie, Lord of the Rings? There was a character named Sam. He asked the wizard Gandalf, or Jim Rich as we know him, is everything sad going to come untrue? He said, is everything sad going to come untrue? And the answer there, for us Christians, yes. Yes. 
once we go to heaven, once we're in heaven, all the sadness is going to be wiped away. Amen? Because of the weeping Savior, all of our sad experiences will one day come untrue. All our present sufferings, all our thoughts of fraud will evaporate at the sight of this fully realized kingdom. Our failing faith, rather than a setback, will be seen retroactively as the beginning of a stronger catalyst for discipleship. A faith that's not naive or simplistic, but not dry or cynical either. Sometimes tears must be shed for fresh life to begin. Amen? Yes, those we cry now, though we cry now, all our tears will one day be wiped away. They will be wiped away because the God of the universe already shed them before us. Romans 8:28 to 31. And those he predest uh, Romans 8:28 to 31. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Who And those who he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, throughout this series, Failing Faith, we have wrestled with what it feels like when your Christianity crumbles beneath the pain and the difficulty of the real world. When life happens, when life meets spirituality, sometimes our faith crumbles. Yet often this crumbling can actually lead to a greater resolve in Christ. When difficult times do come, will you learn on God, when you, where you lean on God and the community of Christ, resisting the urge to depend on comfort and control? When your personal faith fails, it can be a chance, chance for a new faith in God to emerge. Amen? That's my hope. That's my hope for us. Is that when challenges happen, and, and tomorrow seems, tomorrow's not coming too soon, soon enough, I pray that you will find your faith to be more stronger with the Lord. And that our church, you'll be able to plug in and just have us share with you. Because that's what we're here for. We're here to share your heartaches and your pain um, in any manner. I've seen our church perform in physical uh, help, in financial help, in emotional support. We've always been there. So I know that if I go, I know Anna will have support. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message for us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the truth that you have shared with us that when our heart is breaking, yours is too. Yours is even more breaking. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have blamed all our heartaches to you and we think when the times that we think that you didn't care. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our shortcomings, the times that we have been so selfish in our walk, just looking at you as a blesser but not a father. Help us, Lord God, as we go through this entire evening, as we lift our prayers to you, Lord God, we pray that you are pleased with what we're doing. We pray, Father, that you will receive our prayers and that all these things, Lord God, is a pleasing aroma to you. Father, I pray for your prayer warriors. I pray for all your workers that have been working in this building of yours. I pray for them. I pray for strength for them. I pray for healing and rest for them. 
And I pray for the people that have been supporting them, Father God, and I pray for blessings for them as well. And Father, again, this church is your church. We are your people, and we live for you, Lord God, and to please you alone. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing song.